0: Hello, I am Trey Ratcliffe and welcome to my rather unusual podcast I call Walk and Talk with Trey. The show is mostly about creativity and consciousness, but the conversation often delves into other far-flung erudite subjects and there's plenty of silly stuff to balance all that out. All of these were originally recorded on a 360-degree video camera that shoots in 5.7K. I hold it in front of me while I walk and talk with interesting people. You're now listening to the audio version that is more convenient in many situations, but keep in mind you can always jump over to YouTube and watch the 360 one too. It's fun because you can move the camera all around. If you get tired of watching me blab away, just move the camera around and look at all the beautiful scenery around us. Note that the show is ad free. If you like it, then I have something fun you can do. I have this members-only section of the blog called the Stuck in Customs Passport. You can get there by going to StuckinCustoms.com Passport. For just the cost of a few cups of coffee per month, you can support the show and get access to over a hundred different videos. These are inspirational videos, how-to videos, and filled with all sorts of mind vitamins. My goal with all these things is to spread consciousness and fun and love around the world. Maybe that sounds silly to you, but I hope it doesn't. Anyway, please come subscribe. I appreciate you. This is part two of my walk and talk with Kevin Kelly, where we talk about his really cool concept of the 10,000 year library. This one picks up after we stopped for some ice cream. I was walking with Kevin and Aaron Lammer, and I have never known these guys to turn down an ice cream. Anyway, part two coming in hot. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to part two of our discussion about the 10,000 year library. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And we're back on the Camino de Santiago, walking along
1: a pilgrimage towards the city of Santiago. Beautiful summer day, fall day maybe. Vineyards on the left here and We're going to talk about some highfalutin
0: ideas. One of them is uh, libraries. What do we do with libraries and where are they going? That's right. And we're rejoined by the great Aaron Lammer from aaronlammer.com. I I
2: apologize for picking my nose just now. (laughs) It's okay. In 3D.
0: Picking your nose in 3D. That's (laughs) all right. right. You're just keeping it real like you do. And people can listen to your podcast where? Aaronlammer.com?
2: Just go to aaronlammer.com and they're all
0: linked. And by the way, we can listen to your Cool Tools podcast, where? Uh, it's cool-tools.org, uh-huh.
1: or com, and or kk.org.
0: kk.org, awesome. Anyway, welcome to season 33, episode eight. Uh, if you didn't see part one, it might be a little difficult to find because we use a uh, strange indexing for these episodes. We ended last time where he talked about his library that he's already put on top of the mountain. Um, the idea is that anyone go up there, sort of open source space, they own private land in Nevada. And a little bit like a, I don't know, I hate to compare it to a permanent Burning Man or something because it's not, it's not really a society, but it's a place where people go build things. And hopefully it lasts 10,000 years. So we talked about his, we talked about what you want to do. And then we stopped to get ice cream and it completely threw us off our game. <laughs> Chocolate ice cream. So I was describing, by the way, I told Hugh Howie about this, and he's like, oh, I want to do a library there. It's really got me thinking. So he goes, I'll probably do something with a silo. I'm going
2: or... to say one thing I'm pushing for in the site with all the libraries is a pop-up ice cream truck. That's <laughs> <laughs> the greatest thing, especially I'm thinking in the desert, kind of yeah. up there. It's real dusty. You just come through an <laughs> oasis and get an ice cream sandwich. He doesn't want that.
0: <laughs> so here's, here's my uh, nascent, inchoate idea for my own library. And when I say it's so, uh, sort of a mausoleum, I don't mean to say it like it's this solipsistic self-important thing, but it's more like a, a gift to the world in that I would build like a cozy cabin, like a real-life cabin that's, you know, tangible with, with wood and like warm colors and stone inside, like a, a comfy almost reading room, like a stone fireplace and like an easy chair and a couch and stools and and then all around the walls, I would have what are my 100 most influential books. Yeah. Probably 50 fiction and 50 non-fiction. I remember when I was at university, I was like getting into all these books and stuff, and and I, I met this awesome old guy that I really respected. He goes, Trey, if you want to be a really intelligent man, you have to read these 100 books. I was like, okay, you know, it was nice to have a list. There weren't a lot of curated lists. You know, the only curated lists you got in school were from your teacher who you know, had their own baggage or whatever the stuff that they were into. But to have this curated list was really nice. So anyway, some of those I liked, some of those I didn't. And that would be what would cover the wall. So it, maybe if, you know, if people want to be creative or they like my work or they're a fan, it would be like the bibliography of my life. If they want to kind of have any insight into me to help them with their lives, their creative lives, they could could sit there all day and read these books in this nice little area. And then, because you could only have one or two people in there at a time, right? And that doesn't really scale. Um, So right next door to it would be maybe a, a slightly bigger room or something where you could go in and you could do the same thing, but like in a VR world. Right, so you could, it could scale up and so you could have hundreds or thousands of people uh-huh. inside the same place, and maybe one or two people in the cool. actual cool. place. I got that, all right. That's my... Sign me up. My first idea, be improved a little bit, I think. Um, so let's talk about current libraries, which I think are a little hit or miss. Kevin, if you're dictator of all mm. libraries, let's not say around the world, let's just say, it doesn't matter, in America, right, right. you're in charge, What would you do with these once hollowed places?
1: That's a really, really good and difficult question. And um, my views have changed a little bit on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a personal library of uh, two stories. I work inside a two story library. Uh, Well, you know, it has, you know, I don't know, maybe three or four thousand volumes. Um, And at one point, I decided that the future of libraries was digital that there really wasn't much point in having paper books and i was going to get rid of them and did digi- and just have a digital version of them and that would be enough and uh i i, I changed my mind when I went to a, when i went to this other private library run by this couple rick uh Pregnager and his wife megan and they had a private library that filled um it was like a uh, we Look at an office space. Look
0: at this mausole- speaking of mausoleums. We, yeah, we exactly. speak of them and they're yeah. here. They're here. We just That's a vertical a mausoleum. Image of that. That's too hard to walk
1: by.
0: Yeah, I will too. Uh, I do and, one of these numbers. Uh, by the way, if this is your first time watching a 360 video, you can just grab the screen and turn it around and see everything that we're seeing. Right now, we, we're kind of more on streets. Most of this has been little trails with the forest. You just. We never know what we're going to see next. You kind of caught right. us it up.
1: This is a, this is a little city of cemeteries. <laughs> I'm for the forest. Stay for the mausoleums. <laughs> mausoleums, yeah. And um, uh, I changed my mind when I saw this private library because they they had not just books. They had a lot of obscure periodicals, a lot of uh, um, very interesting cultural ephemera. And I and and I and I walked in and I felt that this was like his power centers this vibration of of I don't know of, of knowledge power that was concentrated here in a way that you would not get on a flash drive. Hmm. And I decided then that I was not gonna get rid of my paper books. And so in a curious kind of a way even though paper libraries are kind of like dinosaurs Uh, I think we're going to stop printing cheap books on paper because they're going to become more and more expensive. I think that that having a library that has paper is in very many ways kind of very retro and they're not easy to use but there's also another way in which they're very very powerful because they never go obsolete, they are always readable, you don't need special software, Um, They're actually more durable than digital formats and I think to answer the question I think I would actually try to make better libraries with paper books not because they're going to solve the problem but because they have a very different solution and I think the thing for libraries is probably to specialize to it takes because you can't really be everything to everybody you probably need to take some some aspect of culture or some aspect of knowledge and decide that you're going to uh, specialize in it and i think that is what i would do with libraries is have them like any, like me say with any kind of businesses you want to have some kind of competitive advantage you want to have something that you makes sure you unique and then I would recommend to libraries, rather than trying to be general purpose ones, mm-hmm. a general library for a town, it's like, no, take something and really
0: dive into it. It's a good idea. I like that idea. What would you do if you are a dictator of the world? I know you have well, these delusions of grandeur. Um, I, had a similar,
2: my, I have a similar foundational myth as Kevin, which is I was all digital books. And I harangued people, I ranted at them, I acted... unpleasantly as if I could um, perceive the future about it and it's probably the biggest mistake I've made um, both in what I thought for the world and for myself Mm -hmm. so I realized at first myself I stopped reading digital books I started really enjoying paper books and I said I have to rethink the way I've been talking about this stuff and um, I believe really strongly in representing things in their native, the native format of their time. So we, I was talking to Hugh about records, and he said, yeah, aren't you sad the album's dying out? I'm like, well, actually, the LP is a format that has two sides, and there's a transition between those songs, that's the format. So if you want to listen to music from that time, I'm not trying to be a purist and say you can't understand this if you stream it, but that there, there are these details to it. And I think we like lived in this time of printed books, and uh, if you get a thumb drive that has all of them on it, you have not captured that time. Um, right. It doesn't really say anything about what the fu- formats of the future will be, but libraries are supposed to capture the formats of the past, not the formats of the future. Um, so I would try to preserve these formats as, as best I could. And I, and I do agree with Kevin that you know you don't want to go to a museum that's museum museum you want to go to the museum of of folk art, the museum and increased specialization I think would draw more people and create touristic Uh um, centers in which people could go to a library that uh, really caught their interest Uh Um, there's a place in Brazil that I want to go which is the largest record collection in the world and he is turning it into a public library. Vinyl records. Final records. And uh, creating touristic centers around incredible collections seems like a way forward for the library. I don't know what we do with every community's little library. Maybe we find specialists who want to come in and create these personal shrine archives in strange little towns dedicated to a specific topic.
1: That would be so cool if every little town had a little different library that was at some kind yeah. of unique um, advantage, and you'd yeah. spend your time driving around going to these cool libraries. Upstate New York has the uh, yeah. fly fishing library right, exactly. of the world. Yeah. Right,
0: I like that idea. And wait, I if, if I were in charge, I would do I think a combination of both of yours, and I would take every library, split it in half, and it's all part of the same whole, but half of the space is made for anyone to come in, anyone for the public, to be subsidized by the city. Libraries are already subsidized by the city. And you know there's 10 gigabit access and lots of places. It's almost like a giant Starbucks that might even have like subsidized coffee or something. And It's a place for you to go and be on the internet. Then the other half would be like obscure uh, books that are inspirational, like no books about facts, um, maybe a few books about facts because all those facts are much easier to identify on the internet. There's really no advantage to having a thing that's just like fact after fact after fact. They're like inspirational things, mm-hmm. fictional books. Oh, we've got, a, we've got a people behind us here, coming through, there we go. Coming through hot. Am I allowed to make a counterpoint? I always believe
2: that in podcasts, if people disagree with each other, that makes
0: the best. A little conflict is good. I I think it's
2: silly when people try to create a community center out of thin air. It reminds me of when churches started having video game night at the church, and they said, oh, the young people want to come to the church now, now that we have video game night. It's like, young people would want to go to the video game night anywhere. (laughs) I don't necessarily see the role of libraries to abandon their entire original purpose and put in high-speed internet or in video games and movie nights and sort of just become a generic community. I think about it I
0: think we we're we take it for granted that yeah. we have decent incomes we have high bandwidth all the time right and like not everyone has that and access right. to information is a great equalizer for for others and sometimes they just don't have they get a little bit of data on their phone and they're staring at this tiny little thing but right Doing a big
1: media room with big screens, fiber connection, and yeah, so that would be kind of cool to have state-of-the-art connection. But that is that's a you know that that, that, that's a challenge. But the other thing about libraries is they usually come with librarians. So rather than uh, just talking about the box and the shelter and the woods and the building, what you may want to have is a librarian. And that librarian today may be of like your power user it's like there are some people who are really good at searching google and or you know searching BitTorrent or whatever and you might have want somebody on the premise who's going to show you the ropes of how to search how to find things how to critically think about things i mean it may be that there's that the library becomes a librarian which is <laughs> a person who knows things, who's being staffed, who we'll show you around, to give you pointers, to you know, search. Uh, Rocco,
2: we're giving you guys space. Oh, okay. Hi.
1: So um, <clears throat> I know that when uh, it, you know, I, I I've hired two librarians. My my my, my first two personal assistant were researchers and they were research librarians and it was very deliberate because they are so good at uncovering things, they understand how things are organized, they understand books, and of course, by the way, we think that everything, all the information is on the internet, it is not, mm. it is way not. Even if it was once on the internet, it's not necessarily on the right, internet anymore. Exactly. And even if you could say it's on there sometimes it's in you know it's it's kind of buried deep it doesn't show up at the top of google Mm -hmm. and so um getting around this ever expanding universe is a skill that can be taught and it's a skill that most people including me don't have fully and you can use the expertise of professionals and that expertise could be not just in searching for things but just you know, helping you learn. There, there, there you know, there, there would be people who are helping you learn how to learn. And that maybe what a library becomes, is that it becomes a place where the librarian is.
2: Yeah, I really like that idea. I, I feel like the internet is both more incomplete than people think and uh, more lacking in an instruction manual. Right. Like, when you give people research tasks, people start and stop at Wikipedia. Wikipedia is the only sort of general research method that people are familiar with and I would take a class at my local library in research techniques and and library science. I think a, another way to think about it is maybe all those... Should we call them librarians or should we call them like neo-librarians? neo-librarians. Yeah. Librarians 2.0 are part of a national network that is... Working collaboratively to bring things online and make them accessible. So, if you're working at the Fly Fishing Library of America, you're trying to make documents, books, etc., that information available. That's part of your job. And then you're networked to all these other librarians. So, if someone comes in one of their libraries, you can say, Hey, you know, you, you really should talk to this librarian at this library that person really would know how to get into this. Mm.
0: I like that. All right. Well, Kevin, I think we made a pretty good choice bringing on Aaron as a co-host here. We'll be discussing your compensation package after you <laughs> walk away. <laughs> I just it want to your water. liking. I just want water. <laughs> uh-huh. We've got some other, other things like this. We've done as we walk around the Camino, you can see I've done one with, uh, Aaron where we're talking about his long form podcast, his, is a recreational drug use podcast. The ones with
2: Kevin. And, and, <laughs> don't, don't watch and cryptocurrency. <laughs> so we talked
0: a lot about cryptocurrency. So you go see his plans to overthrow world governments in that one. And then Kevin and I have done a lot of these. We talked about AI. We talked about Burning Man. 10,000-year clock. 10,000-year clock. All kinds of good stuff. So go check those out too. All right, guys, Um, love you and see you in the next episode. Bye.